Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We, uh, we, we thank you for this time that we have to, to gather, to, to worship you, uh, to grow closer to you through uh, just a time of, of singing to you, through studying your word, through uh, fellowshipping with one another, uh, through praying uh, for each other. And so, Lord, we, uh, we consecrate this time to you. We humble ourselves before you, and we ask, Lord, that you, uh, by your Spirit, would help us to, uh, to see what's said in this passage, that you would uh, help us to see how it applies to our own lives. And Father, we pray that through your Spirit, you would lead us and direct us to you, Lord. Um, may our lives uh, just be filled with your Spirit. May we... Um, just be saturated with you um, so that it would bleed out in our lives and in all areas, uh, that the world would see that there's something different about us because of our relationship with you. Uh, Lord, we are just deeply grateful, Lord, uh, for this time that we can uh, just spend with you uh, to grow closer to you. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through the end of the chapter. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory, glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in, in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand and in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And Father, we do thank you uh, for your word. We ask that you would lead us now. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. Uh, well, a few years ago, I had a big transition in my life. I went from not liking turkey to, like, loving turkey. And this came about when I bought a smoker. And I, uh, but it wasn't even really the smoker. It was that I'd learned about brining. Like, I didn't really know or understand brining. I can see my daughter's like, Dad, what are you even talking about? This is like... But I discovered brining, and so you basically take a whole bunch of salt and other things, and you, you just dunk the turkey there for like a day. And then when you pull it out and you smoke it for another four or five hours, it becomes the most amazing meat. If you've had the pleasure of trying this uh, with of my little special recipe, that's not even my recipe. I just bought it on Amazon and, uh, and followed the directions. It's like amazing. And the reason I bring this up is, Brining has been like, uh, like in my mind a lot looking at this passage because uh, t- today we get this, re- like last 
month or however long we've been in Ephesians, it's verses 3 through uh, what verse 14 are one long sentence, and then we transition to another really long sentence in Greek. So this today's passage is one long sentence. Um, it's this pastoral prayer of Paul, what he longs for these believers and for us really is that they would be brined, that they would be like just saturated with God, that God would permeate who they are as individuals and that how they live their lives, how they interact with the world, there would be a different taste or flavor in them than in the rest of the world. And it's a beautiful, beautiful passage. Um, in, in many ways, it's, it's, a, it, it's simple in what it's saying. And so we begin with verse 15, and we read here, for this reason, I too, uh, he says, for this reason, everything that he's listed so far, he's adored God, he's given God thanks for everything that he has done within him. She's beautiful. Like, it's okay. Like, it's like mom and dad are like, oh, she's so, but it's, we're like, she's like the most precious little thing, and we love kids, so it's okay. It's Mother's Day, like of all days. Um, like, I say that for their sake, you know, like we love kids, um, and that's not to shoo them away. Like, we're good with them. Like, I'm really... Um, so for this reason, he, it kind of culminates in as he's adoring God, everything that's happened, thinking about God's calling in their life, the predestination, this, the, the, the adoption, the grace that he's poured out in them. And he says, for this reason, I too, having heard, he says, having heard about you, and there's going to be a couple of things that he's heard about them, heard about the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you, and your love for the saints. So he says, the things that I've heard about you, I've heard about your, your faith in God and your love for one another. Now, this is, this is interesting. First, the church in Ephesus, this location, this is a location that Paul spent the most, like in his earthly ministry, it's the most amount of time that he spent anywhere. He spent three years in Ephesus. This was a great uh, training ground for the church. He would raise up individuals. He would train them, educate them and basically send them out, and churches were planted all throughout this region. Um, and so he knew this church. This church knew him. However, he hasn't been to this church in five years. He's, he's been away. And so there's, there's been some sort of distance. And, and then he's now in prison, so he's under arrest. And so he's limited in what he can hear about this church by what he can hear about the church. Like what he knows about this church is what he hears about this church. And so as he writes this letter from prison to them, he says, I've heard some things about you that's absolutely uh, fantastic. Um, He said, I've heard about your faith in God, that your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is super important. He's heard about them, and then he's heard about their love for one another. So they have this vertical relationship with God. And then this vertical relationship with God manifests itself in their love for one another, how they treat each other, how they care for one another, how they just genuinely love one another. For it was Jesus who said in John 13, verses 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so there's something about how we as Christians interact with one another that it has an effect on the world. And we're told by Jesus that if we love one another, like genuinely love one another, there's an effect. Um, 
in the last few weeks, you know, my life with my dad passing away the Tuesday or the Monday, that, that my dad technically died on Monday. On Monday, then we cleaned out his room. And then in that, that um, like late that night, um, a guy from town, Travis Shane, he's, 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 he's helped us over the years with like uh, junk removal. I won't expand on that because, you know, one person's junk is another person's treasure. And uh, I'm a chucker and some people are not chuckers. And so like I... I I've learned that I kind of get in trouble with people who are not chuckers, and, and people who are chuckers, they're always high-fiving me in secret, you know, like, good job, good way to get rid of that. And so he came, and I've, I've just known him over the years because we've had this very, this relationship in secret about him coming and getting rid of stuff, and, and, and he wasn't a believer before. Like he, and so suddenly now he's like, yeah, during COVID, I gave my life to Christ. And it was like super encouraging. And he's like, well, he shared where he goes to church. And, and he's like, yeah, man, I've, I like, in my job, I hear a lot about churches in town. And I'm like, oh, no, like, where's he going with this? And he's like, he's like, I've never heard anything bad about your church. And I'm like, oh, that like, whether he's telling me the truth or not, like, <laughs> but I figure the guy who hauls junk, like, he probably knows all the junk in town. And, and so... So when he said that, he's like, well, what I heard about you, and it's, it's good when, you, when, when people see that there's something different. And Jesus prayed that his followers would have this special sort of unique love amongst them. When Paul writes after being away from this, this uh, church, really of churches, this, this region of churches, he says, when I hear about you guys, I hear that you're walking faithfully with God, and I hear um, that you love each other. And, and these are probably the two most in healthy uh, components of any church. Um, if you're looking for like evaluating a church, do they have a, a faith in God and do they have a love for the saints? And so I think this is something that we should long for in our own lives, that we would increase our faith in God, that we would walk with him, um, that we would love one another. And then from this, he transitions into a prayer. He says, giving thanks for you. Uh, this is a good example in, in praying, that our prayers, I think, should be marked with gratitude, uh, with thanksgiving. Maybe this is why I've been thinking about a brine turkey all week is because of this, this idea of gratitude that we celebrate during Thanksgiving. But he just starts this with like, I give thanks to God for you all. And I think this should be a, a, like a, 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 an impression of our lives that we should be known as people who are grateful people, that when we look at our world, when we look at the situation, when we look at various people, that we're able to say, you know what, God, like, I just give thanks to you for fill in the blank. And it doesn't have to be good stuff. We can thank God for difficult things and hard things and things that have come into our life. So he says, I just thank God for you. That the, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And so he, after he gives thanks, he says, I just ask that God would do these couple things for you, that you would have this spirit of, of wisdom and revelation concerning basically who God is. And I think that this, this speaks of sort of this like intimacy with God, this knowledge of God, that, that God wouldn't be some abstract sort of being way out there, but that God would be real and personal, and that we would have wisdom and discernment about who he is, what he desires uh, from us. Um, one man says this, 
Um, Hence, it is not facts about God that are most important, but knowing him personally and intimately. One can know many facts about the leader of a nation through the news media, but it is quite different from from personally knowing that leader as his or her family does. Thus, one acquires this knowledge of God not only, not only by facts from the Bible, but, but by the Holy Spirit's giving insight and disclosure in the knowledge of God himself. And so we speak of like intimacy, a relationship that God actually knows you, he cares about you, that he desires to hear from you, that we can pray to him, that when we read the scriptures, we can know he's speaking to us. And we have these moments where I, I like, that God just kind of like touches you and says, you know what? It's okay. Like, I'm here. Like, I know what you're going through and I care about you. And when these like moments happen, they're like super, super powerful. Um, I, I, um, so that Tuesday that my dad died, <clears throat> so my dad was a frugal man. And he cared about, like, you know, like, getting in, getting out, like, not, char- not paying more than you had to actually pay. And if you could get out early, get out early. And so it was like when, you know, like, I'm like, oh, my dad was like, he, he, he died, like, he made it past midnight so we could have Mondays, a free day at his place. And then I get the email from the place there, like, saying, hey, we will, we will prorate everything the sooner you get them out, you have 30 days, but we'll prorate what you prepaid. And it's like, oh, well, my dad had long-term health insurance, so I know that day would be paid for. And I'm like, he want us to move it. Like, so we're like, we're moving everything out on Monday. And I go back on Tuesday to turn in the keys. And they were like all blown away. They're like, man, this is pretty fast. I'm like, yeah, that's, like, that's what my dad would want, you know, like to get out of this place, not pay you guys an extra dollar, you know, for, and, uh, and so, and like in my tiredness, like I went back on Tuesday by myself and I'm kind of like walking through the room, making sure we didn't forget anything. And then I, you know, I kind of went to where his bed was and I just kind of took some time to like thank God. It was like I, I, I had some time just to cry and just to, to thank God for my dad and this place where he took him. And, and in that moment, I got a text message. Um, for those of you that know us, you know, we, we have one dog and we're getting a second little puppy from the same you know, same breeder, and, and the, the breeder had texted me while I'm standing, like, literally a spot where, my, where God took my dad, and, and she sent me a picture of the puppy that she knew he wanted, and she said, and I was like, oh, man, this is, like, I sent her back, I'm like, hey, this is, like, really special, like, thanks for sending me the picture, the timing was just, like, I'm like, you don't know that you, you're just some person that's selling me a dog, but my dad died last night, and I, like, this just means a lot. And then she, she wrote back, she's like, oh, I'm just glad that Thumper could bring you some joy. And I was like, hey, what'd you just say? And she's like, yeah, I've been calling this dog Thumper. Like, I name all the dogs, like, based on, like, Easter-themed sort of things. And I'm like, I didn't know. And m- my dad, when I was a kid, called me Thumper. And I'm like, oh, man, I guess we're, like, not naming this dog Queso. We were all, like, really super hopped up on naming the dog Queso. And I'm like, I guess we're going to keep the dog Thumper. But it was like in that moment, it was like it's a breeder just saying, hey, this is the name of the dog. But in that moment, it was like the timing of everything was just like God saying, Gunner, I'm here with you. And I know. And it's like everything's okay. And it's in these like moments 
like, I, don't have, I, I, I don't wish I could say I had this moment like three times a day, but it's like we have these moments where it's like suddenly it's like the hand of God is just felt in a way that, that you know. Um, was it Nathaniel? Like this is on my note, but I just think of like when Jesus says, hey, I know what you were praying earlier that day. And he's like, okay, you're Lord. Because clearly like, no, like the great debate, nobody has any idea what he was talking about, but Nathaniel knew that Jesus knew. And by Jesus knowing, he knew that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And when we have these moments, it's like, that means we're like, we're walking with God. We're in fellowship with him. We have intimacy with him. And we are aware of his hand when he moves. And there's like nothing more overwhelming than when we experience this. That's when I read this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. And this knowledge is the idea of not just like abstract facts, but this is like, like to intimately know somebody, that there's a relationship there. And he goes on to say in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So then as he's praying, he's saying, I, I pray that the eyes of your heart. Now, what are the eyes of your heart? This guy with a really long name says this, um, the heart in scripture is the seat of thought and moral judgment as well as of feeling. The deep interior and enlightenment provided by the Holy Spirit leads the believer to realize all that God has made available to him. And so he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the innermost being, the core of who we are, like our, like the computer within us that sort of represents all that we are, that the eyes of your heart may be opened, enlightened, so that for this purpose, what you know, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, number one, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. So this, so that. He's praying that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that three reasons. Uh, to know the hope of God's calling, to know the glory of his inheritance, and to know about his great power. And so this first thing, to know God's calling, Guzik writes this, the hope of his calling has its perspective on the future. The believer has a glorious future of resurrection, eternal life, freedom from sin, perfect, perfected justification, and glorious elevation above the angels themselves. And so I think what he's saying is, I pray that the eyes of your heart would understand, like that you would see long-term, not just in the moment of your suffering or anguish or whatever pleasure you're experiencing in this moment, but to see beyond the things which God has called us to in glory ultimately. And when I look at the New Testament, when I look at the Bible, so much of the Bible speaks of this future relationship, this future presence that we have with him, and that future should affect how we live in the now. And so Paul is praying that their eyes would be open, that their hearts, their innermost being, that they would understand this future, this future that they have with God, that it would affect them in the now. He goes on to say, to know the glory of his inheritance, not your inheritance, but the Father's inheritance. And so Paul, this is by uh, Tony Merida, I think it's Merida. Uh, Paul wants us to appreciate the value that God places on us who are in Christ. 
Bruce says that God should set such high value on the community of sinners rescued from perdition and still bearing too many traces of their former state might seem incredible were it not made clear that he sees them in Christ as from the beginning he chose them in Christ. So to know the glory of his inheritance. And I think that the purpose of this that Paul wants him to understand is to know how valuable you are in Christ before God, that God loves you, he cares for you, he longs for you uh, to be brought back to himself, to know our value in him. And then to know the surpassing greatness of God's power towards us who believe. So this is one that he's going to expand upon. So he says that he wants us to, oh man, I turned the page. Let's see if I can look at, uh, look at the Bible here. Um, he wants our hearts to be enlightened so we would know his calling. This is a good pop quiz gunner. I got too many files open in my brain. Uh, to know his call, the calling, our future hope in him. Um, what was that second one? This is like a good pop quiz here. This is like the um, inheritance, how much we love. Man, I was just talking about that. How did that like disappear already? And to, to know about the greatness of God's power for us who believe. And so, like, so God is power, powerful. He's mighty. He's great. This power is being directed towards those of us who believe in some way. And so what power are we talking about exactly? And so the rest of this passage, Paul is going to get sort of sidetracked or he's going to amplify this power that he's referencing uh, those of us who believe. And we read these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and everything that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so first he says this power that was demonstrated in Christ first through the resurrection from the dead, that when Jesus was crucified, he was dead, he was in the grave, he was in the tomb for those three days. And on the third day, when he was risen from the dead, we're told that it was by the power of God. So that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work toward those of us who believe in Christ as their Messiah. <clears throat> then he goes on to say the second manifestation goes to sort of the authority that was given to Jesus. And in this section and throughout the New Testament, we're told that the Father has given the Son full authority over everything. If you read through Colossians, if you read through Revelation, we see that Jesus ultimately is the one who is in authority and all things are in subject to himself. And then finally, this third manifestation of this power is that the Father has placed Christ over the church, that he is head over the church. And so now when we look at these three things, we have to not lose sight of the prayer. So he expands on these three things. The, the power of the resurrection, that Jesus is over all things, that he's the head of the church. But the reason that these are brought up 
is back in verse 18. If we sort of condense verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward those of us who believe. So we're told that as we go through our life, as we're faced with the ups and downs, the struggles, the tribulations, whatever things that you're going through, to know that you have God by your side and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that Jesus has over everything, and the same power that places Jesus in authority over the church is at work within you. It's, it's overwhelming. Um, the Life Application Bible says this, because of his power, we know that God is on our side and ready to help us meet each and every obstacle God's power is never stagnant or out of commission. It is always actively working on our behalf. God is always fighting against the forces of evil on our behalf. No human strength or spiritual power from the evil world, not even Satan himself, can deter or change God's inherent power. Only God's power can change weak human beings into strong believers who are willing to sacrifice everything for the God who loves them. So this is like a really a powerful prayer. And I found that in the Bible, if you look at like how to pray for others or how to pray for yourself, if you just look at how Paul prayed, you're pretty safe in praying those prayers for yourself or for those that you care about, those people that you love, those people that you're a burden for. It's like, what do we do like with this section? Like, I want in my life, I want to be, like, saturated with, with the character and nature of God. Like, I want God to be able to, like, bubble out from within me. Um, there are individuals who I've met over the course of my life who I kind of say that they bleed Bible. It's like, as they talk, they might not be quoting Scripture, but how they talk, how they think, they have a way of looking at a circumstance, a situation, and as they give insight or if they, as they look at it, it's clearly like the wisdom of the scriptures, the wisdom of God is within them, and they're able to share. Like, it's, it's beautiful, and I want that in my own life. Like, I want to be brined in the scripture. I want to have God's presence within me that it's evident to all who see. And I think that we do this by by spending time in the Word of God, um, by, by grappling with things. Like, I can hear Bud over here, like, Bud before church, like, hey, I have, like, a, que- like I, I have a question. Is it a bad time? I'm like, no, 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 what's going on? And he's like, well, I read something in today's Bible reading, and, like, I have a question about it. I'm like, oh, I kind of only skimmed this morning. Like, I kind of, like, went through, and I'm like, and he had, like, this really good, like, question. You can see him later if you want to talk to him about it, you know, but I, like, I, I, uh, but it was a really good thought. I'm like, oh, I didn't even, like, I didn't notice that, so let's kind of dig. But as you, like, get into the Word and you go, well, this said this, and what does this mean about God, and what does this mean about us, and we, we get to know God. We, we, we learn about Him and how He thinks and how uh, He views the world around us. And as we take in the Scriptures, we are changed. I do think that spending time with him as we read the Bible, as we communicate with him throughout the day, that you don't have to be on your hands and knees, locked into your, your, your closet. You can go about your day and you can be seeking God with, like, God, give me wisdom in this. Lord, how do I handle this situation? 
And the things that I think that trouble us the most, those are the things that are kind of like always sort of like on the back burner of our brain. You can be at work, you can be going about your life, and it's just kind of like rattling around back there. And the scripture makes it clear that, that God wants us to be communicating with him always, to pray without ceasing. And then as we spend time with his people, like through fellowship and church, this is super valuable time because as we interact with one another, we learn from each other, we see what's going on in each other's lives, we see how you're handling life circumstances and how you navigate your own trials and tribulations, and it, it, it bleeds off on us. And we can go, oh, you know what, I remember, like, like the Rouses are right here, you know, they've been camping all week and they roll in, but like, it's like, wake up, Jeremiah. No, I'm just kidding. He was not asleep. He was not asleep. But it's like watching them through COVID, like as parents, navig- na- navigate leukemia was like, if that didn't have an impact on you, I don't know how it could not have an impact on you. To see, like, I see how God is, like, working in their life and how they're handling this, this struggle with their kid. And to see how God has been faithful to them and through them through this journey, that when I'm faced, I can go, yeah, I saw this, this happen in another person's life, and this happens all the time. I would encourage you to, to read biographies of, of Christian individuals. There's so much in seeing like how God like played his story out in other people's lives is, is radical. Like Anna on her trip to Romania, she read a book by some girl, I don't know, like, I know her waiting, like it's uh, Safe Along the River by some lady, I wrote it down, Katie Davis something or other. You're in line. I know you're like in number two. Like she's like, oh yeah, it's got to go to this person and this person and this person. And I'm like, well, I'll just get the audio book because that's how I read these days. And, and um, so yesterday I started this book and the book sort of starts out, close your ears, Debbie, you know, just so you don't like, you know, Cliff, uh, sorry. But it's like, she talks about being in Africa. She's adopted like 10 or some, like a large amount of kids. And she was in a river and then the river changed and then it went to like a near drowning situation where she lost sight of, of her child. And she kind of talks through like the horror of this and like beating herself up as a mother for this like terrible mistake that she made, miscalculating, not listening to the signs. And, and so in her like panic of this, her husband was like, everything's okay. And then her husband's like, come with me. And then... They like the daughter was fine that, that got sucked up. A fisherman got him, but then the husband like brought her like super high on the hill to get this bigger picture of the situation. And she's like, Well, why are you up here? He's like, Listen, like, even if you're the worst case scenario, which you thought in your mind, look at all the different things. Our daughter would have been fine no matter what actually, like, if the fisherman didn't get her, look at all these different places that she would have gotten out. And she kind of made the, the point of like, like, she was safe along the whole time, the title of the book, that, like, from her perspective, she thought she was in great danger. But the reality was is that God was moving and, and doing things that she couldn't see. Um, and it reminds me of a quote from Tim Keller who said, like, Tim Keller is a very famous published pastor, like, super influential guy who is now battling a pancreatic cancer, like, in a very serious way. And he said on prayer and communicating with God that God answers our prayers as if we prayed as though we knew what he actually knows. 
which is his way of saying that God interprets your prayers. Like, you know, in Romans 8, that God, uh, he interprets your prayers in the way that you need them answered. Like, we don't have the whole bigger picture of what God is doing in our lives. We have a very, uh, you know, view of our world with blinders on it, like they put on the horses so they can't see what's around them. We think that everything's terrible, and we pray like it's catastrophic. But if we were to, 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 to zoom out in our life and to see what God sees and to see the various things and implications of every little like decision that we make in our life, we would see that, okay, God knows things that we don't know. And that as we pray, there's a great comfort there that if you're praying one way, but actually you need to go this way, God's going to like answer your prayers according to the way that's actually better for you in his grand scheme of things. And there's great comfort in that. And the reason I bring up these stories is as we live our lives, as we get closer with God, as we spend time in the word, as we spend time with him in prayer, as we spend time with other people who know and love Jesus, other people can have a great impact on our lives and understanding who God is because we see God's hand and his fingerprints in the lives of others that sometimes in our own life, it's so much harder to see his working in our own life, where it's easier to see him working in other people's lives. We're told throughout scripture that fellowship, gathering together, being with one another is super important. And so this, this section, we can't lose sight. This section is a prayer. And Paul is praying that we would grow. The desire of his heart as a pastor is that they, that we who are reading this, that we would grow in our intimacy with God. That we would understand the hope that we have in Jesus. That we would understand how valuable we are to God as his inheritance, that we are the bride of Christ, that we are treasured by him. It's so easy to listen to the world and to say, you have no value, you've done fill in the blank of all of your sins and everything that you've done to get you discouraged. But God says, what I see is your, uh, the perfection of you that is found through the blood of Christ. I see the child that I created before the foundation of the world, that I love you and I desire you to walk with me. That we would understand that we are not walking with just some sort of like inert God that has no power, but that we are serving the God who spoke creation into existence. We worship the God who raised Jesus from the dead. And we're told that that very same power is working towards us who believe in Christ. So my prayer is that we would be seasoned by God, that we would have an impact in the world around us and that the world would see there's something different about them because they've walked with God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you. For this time that we have with one another, we thank you for this prayer of Paul. We pray, Father, that our hearts would be opened, that we would grow in this wisdom and relationship towards you. Father, that we would actually understand or that we would move closer to our understanding of this great love that you have for us, this great um, relationship that is made available to us uh, through the blood of Christ. We ask, Father, that you would help us to to see, uh, to get a glimpse into the future about our ultimate hope.
hope with you beyond this life. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand the great magnitude of your power, that we can have hope in the most hopeless of situations because our hope comes from you. It doesn't come from this world. We love you, Father, and we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen.